Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. Tonight, we have a, a full crew here. I'm bringing back Brett from last week. We've got on Nate, who we haven't had on in forever, and another one of my friends out from Nebraska, Patrick Bates. We're going to be bringing to you a, a natty recap from the uh, UGA Georgia game this past Monday. And then also, as we sit here on uh, January 13th, Thursday night, we're going to give you guys a, a wild card NFL preview going into the games this weekend, kind of give you guys some Super Bowl predictions, what we think might happen. We've got the uh, got a broad band here. We've got a Titans fan. We've got a, a Raiders fan. We've got a Broncos fan. And then you've got me, who I've got no allegiance. So it should be a really good time bringing you guys a, a good recap across the board. But we'll go ahead and get in it and let everybody kind of come in and introduce yourself. We'll start off with Brett. And how are you doing tonight, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me back, Kylie. Um, yeah, kind of as uh, Kylie said, uh, I'm the Broncos fan of the group, uh, lifelong Broncos fan. Grew up in Nebraska. Denver's pretty close. And uh, my parents used to actually live out there, so I kind of just grew up just following the teams that they followed, and that was always the Broncos. Well, unfortunately, you won't be able to be biased to your own team, but hopefully that'll help us out and, and bring us some good perspective to other teams. Oh, I can be biased through the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let, we'll see what happens. But all right, Nate, you're up next. How are you doing tonight, man? Good. It's good to be back, Kylie. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, before we hop into the NFL talk, I'm looking forward to breaking down the college football national championship. And I also want to express my condolences to you being a Tennessee fan um, in the SEC, all SEC championship game. Um, that's got to be hard for you knowing that you don't have to deal with just Bama anymore winning national titles and that you have another big brother that you have to deal with in the SEC. Yeah, it's even worse with them being in our in our own division, um, being there on the SEC side. It's going to be it's going to get them a really nice. They probably they were already recruiting great, but if they had lost this one, they probably would have dropped off a little bit Wonder if Kirby would ever win one. So, yeah, this this one hurts a little bit, but we'll dive into that in a second. And last but not least, Pat, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Patrick. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on, Kylie. Excited to finally hop on one of these with you. Um, but, yeah, so I'm the, the big Raiders fan. Uh, was kind of born into it, so I've been a Raiders fan my whole life, which hasn't been fun, but I'm obviously very excited for this year. Uh, really the first time, like, as an adult, I get to experience them in the playoffs, so it'll be exciting. Um, also a huge Husker fan, went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, so uh, obviously big football, followed basketball and baseball as well, so kind of Husker through and through. Good deal. Well, we'll have plenty to talk about with uh, with your Raiders finally back in the playoffs, a, a huge matchup here. So but before we get into that, let's let's go ahead and dive back to what Nate wanted to jump into first. And we'll go with a recap here on that uh, Alabama-Georgia game. Last week when we came to you guys, Brett and I were sitting there telling you, basically, the recipe for Georgia to win this game was they were going to have to get the Bryce Young. Um, they, were, they didn't get him. They didn't knock him down a single time in the SEC championship game. And you saw that throughout the night. They consistently got to Bryce Young. They pressured him throughout the night. It was an extremely defensive battle. Um, Georgia's red zone defense was absolutely absurdly great. Uh, I think Alabama had the ball three times inside the uh, – it had first and goal three different times. Two of them may have been within the five, and they got three field goals out of those possessions. That absolutely changes the entire game. Um, and then Bama loses Jamison Williams there in the uh, first half, and afterwards they, that offense never really looked the same. But I guess – what were your guys' kind of big takeaways? What did you guys think were the, the key moments in the game? And let's just start breaking it down. Whoever wants to start off, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I say right when I saw Jamison Williams, when he cut wrong and he collapsed, you know, there's just those non-contact 
collapses on the field. That's just, it's just, it's like not again, you know, for the Bama fans after they lost Mechie. Um, and at that point, it just kind of felt like a slow, painful death to me. Like, like just, just feeling like the momentum of the game, like Bama was, it was close. They're staying in it. They're staying in it, but it just seemed like it looked easier for Georgia. They were getting stops easier. They were moving the ball a little bit easier, but the score was still close. Um, and so, and then the dam just broke in the fourth quarter. And uh, the, the loss is not on Bryce Young, though. I mean, he continued to ball out. He was putting the ball anywhere he wanted to on that field. And um, as Saban said at halftime, you know, we're going to see we – we got the talent, and they're going to have to step up. We're going to see what we have. And uh, unfortunately, they couldn't quite step up enough to keep up with uh, Georgia's horses on defense, but uh, it was a great game. Um, all SEC championship again, but uh, I think we can all can agree. Those are the two best teams in college football. Oh, hundred percent agree with that. And uh, Kylie kind of a call back to the last episode. We talked about some key points that Georgia would need to kind of key in on to uh, win the game. And I think they hit the nail on the head on all three of them. Uh, first off was stopping their run. They allowed uh, Brian Robinson only 68 yards all game. Second off was getting to the quarterback, which they hadn't done in the SEC championship, as Nate talked about. And they ended up with, I think, six sacks? Four sacks. I think they got four sacks. Wow. They had four sacks and nine tackles for loss. And the last thing was limiting the perimeter players, such as Jamison Williams, which helped because Jamison Williams went out, unfortunately. But – just w- without him on the outside and without some of their younger guys who I thought could have stepped up, like they, they just never showed up during the game. So I think just keying in on those, those three, those three factors really helped the Bulldogs. Yeah. As soon as Jameson Williams went out, it was just one of those things that I think I texted you. It was just like, I mean, there's just, I saw no way that Bama was going to be able to replace two 1,000 yard receivers. I mean, I know they've got, five stars all over the place, but asking these guys to step up in the second half of a national championship game, is just, it's such a tall ask um, for them to be able to step up. And truly, like Nate was saying, Bryce Young kept throwing the ball all over the place and he kept dropping it in on a dime up around safeties, around corners, over linebackers. And these guys were just flat out dropping passes for him in the second half. The game's not on Bryce Young at all. He performed well enough for Alabama to win that game. It's just his receivers didn't help him out. And there are a lot of times that either could have led to touchdowns, it could have led to more field goal opportunities that they just weren't able to capitalize on especially once you started getting in the red zone. But I think what was most mind-blowing to me the whole night was the fact that nobody was able – there were a few big plays, but every big play then got stalled out in a red zone. Uh, and it happened on both sides, aside from the one pass from Stetson Bennett to – I forget the name of their receiver there, but the the, plat, the play where Bama jumped off sides and they threw it 50 yards down the field, that was the only big play that actually went for a touchdown, and it was a pass into the end zone. Every other big play – um, that James Williams play, there was one to their tight end that he ran 50 or 60 yards up the field. Um, James Cook had a huge run that he got stopped before getting in the end zone. Every single time they all got stopped. And then that continued to lead to these great defensive performances in the red zone. Um, uh, Jordan Davis and Will Anderson both were absolute studs throughout the game, uh, impacted everything all over the place. And I just thought it was really fitting for a year that seemed like it was dominated by defense across the nation in college football and so many great defensive players, it was really fitting to kind of see that that defensive showdown happen in the national championship. Yeah, I, I agree with yeah, that. That was cool. I mean, in, in a day where you – Which one? Pat? Yeah, so, I mean, in a day where you you think – You got it, Nate. Go ahead. In a, in a day where you think 
yeah, you think of Big 12 offenses and you think spread it out and just air it all over the place. And it, you have national championship games that are 42 to 38. You know, it, it was it was refreshing. And I just think um, being up in Big Ten country, <clears throat> albeit we're at the bottom of the barrel of the Big Ten right now, but not for long. But being up in Big Ten country, um, I, I don't watch. I didn't watch Georgia too much throughout the regular season. But as he got to the SEC championship game, and especially the national championship game, Jordan Davis, I looked at his stats. You know, you look at his stats, and it's like, how is this guy? Why is everybody talking about him? But I've never seen really a game wrecker that wrecks the game so much off the stat sheet at, in college football. It's just he just you, you can't run wherever he's lined up. You you have to either shift the line to put three guys on him and he's still going to blow you up or just run the opposite way. Um, and it, it's super impressive. And on the opposite side, Will Anderson, I don't know. I'll have to look closer at what quarterbacks are eligible for the 2023 draft, but it, I don't know who's going to be above him to get to the number one overall pick. I mean, he is a freak. I think he could, if he was, a, I think he could come out this year, even though he's in his sophomore. And I think he'd still be a top five pick. He's, he is a, a freak. And last thing I'll say is I'm happy for Kirby. I mean, I don't know much about the guy, but I'm, he just had probably has received comments for so long about, Oh, are you ever going to be, you know, your old boss? You, you, you're not going to be able to do it. Not going to be able to do it. Um, and so for the fact that uh, he was able to, that's gotta be special for him. And um, I think it's probably pretty special for Saban too, to see um, a guy that he has invested so many years in um, have some success too. Yeah. Those uh, quarterbacks that you're talking about, Nate, that's uh, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. But still, I mean, you you could still make your case for picking Will Anderson just because of how much he affects the game. Probably up there. Yeah. Um, I, I, he absolutely will. I would take him. I still think he's the best player on that team. I think he's better than Bryce Young personally. Um, I still can't believe that Bryce Young wins the Heisman when, like I said, I believe he's the best player on his team. But that's the topic that we went down the rabbit hole on this podcast too many times. I won't go back down it again. But I, I think the two biggest moments in that game, which – both times involved uh, Stetson Bennett, funny enough. I, I think right at the beginning in the first quarter, the first drive, Bama drives it right down the field to get a field goal. Um, Stetson Bennett on the first drive, I think it's the second play of the game, he goes to scramble and he fumbles the ball as he's just running around and the ball bounces directly back up into his hands. If that ball bounces anywhere else, who knows who picks it up? But if Alabama recovers that fumble and you're sitting there, Bama has the ball. They've already gone up three, nothing. They have the ball at the 30. Who knows if they go and score a touchdown. If that game's 10, nothing, they are five minutes into the game. We're looking at a completely different ball game of play of Georgia immediately playing from behind. And I just think that it's a moment in the game that nobody doesn't talk. Like nobody's going to sit there and talk about now because it wasn't, it didn't end up being a fumble. But I still look back at that as one of the most pivotal moments that that ball came back to Georgia and it kept them in the game. They went down, they got a field goal, they kept the, they kept everything going um, and they didn't get down early. And then I think the other biggest one is you just look at it on at the backside of there's a huge fumble uh, recovery there in the fourth quarter that uh, Stetson Bennett fumbles the ball, bam, miraculously recovers it, tiptoeing on the sideline when the guy's not even trying to do it. And the ability for Stetson Bennett to recover from that and come back and just start absolutely throwing dimes on that next drive throws two perfect passes, one big run. They're in the end zone. It, I did not see that personally coming from a walk on the guy who 
at the beginning of the game looked scared to death. In that one drive, he absolutely blacked out and he performed to the he won himself a national championship on that drive. Yep, I agree. I mean, if you think about it, he he really shouldn't have been playing in a national championship game at quarterback. Like, I mean, Georgia's defense was, you know, the star of the show all year. Um, and I mean, it was fitting because they came out and played a hell of a game. Um, I mean, I think obviously Bennett was a huge key. Like to me, Bennett's play, other than the fumble, he had no interceptions. So he protected the ball. He made good throws. He had that dime for the touchdown. I mean, he was huge. Um, obviously, Georgia's defense played really great. Um, I mean, they limited uh, Alabama, I'm looking right now, to 30 yards rushing if you include the sacks they had on Bryce Young. So, I mean, that's, that's huge to shut them down like that. Um, and then they had a great game rushing on offense. So, to me, that was the big difference is they won the ball um, in the trenches running, and then obviously they were able to shut down the run um, on the defensive side. So, to me, that was the biggest thing. No, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens going forward and, and go uh, past this. I don't think that this means Nick Saban losing twice to his former, former assistants in one season. I don't think this means Bama's dynasty is over. But I do think that this is going to be a really big deal going forward for Georgia with the recruiting bump. Kirby's going to be able to sit there and know that he did it. Um, uh, the only thing I do wonder going forward is will – George, will Kirby ever be the one to go out and get himself a real quarterback and somebody who can go out and absolutely get himself a true price? If you look at his quarterbacks that he's had, they've all been game managers. I've gone down this before, saying like Chase Fromm. Um, and then, you know, you look at like sets of Bennett, his last two quarterbacks had been pure game managers. And then he had a guy like Justin Fields on his roster that he didn't get involved in. And even JT, and even JT Barrett, or not JT Barrett, uh, uh, their JT Daniels. JT Daniels, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he obviously is a little bit less of a game manager, better arm, but probably a little bit more prone to mistakes. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if Kirby is more willing to go to that now that he has one national championship. Maybe he's a little bit free. He frees himself up because I don't think that you will have win every single season with the, just playing the defensive game and trying to hold the ball away from the other teams and limit them to those few points. Because this, this is not the best Nick Saban team that they've ever had, clearly. I think that this is one of probably the second worst, if not the worst team that they ever had in the playoff era. And they almost won a national championship and could have beaten Georgia with this team. So it'll just, I'll be interested to see if Kirby is willing to change his ways now that he has one, or if this is just going to solidify in his mind that I won once with it. Why do I ever need to change? Yeah. One, uh, one guy Kirby is going after really hard uh, in recruiting right now is uh, um, Dylan Riola. He is a familiar name to Nebraska fans, uh, the son of uh, Dominic Raiola, the nephew of Nebraska's offensive line coach, uh, Donovan Raiola. Um, he is a top 50 quarterback, dual threat, plays baseball as well. Um, kid, can, kid can sling it. He's going to be a senior next year out in uh, Hiley, Arizona. But, uh, I mean, if, if Kirby is looking for a guy who's uh, not just a game manager and can actually make plays with his, both his arm and his feet, I, I think – Ryle is a perfect match for that team. And uh, selfishly, I'd, I'd hope he doesn't go there because I wanted to come to Nebraska. But yeah, the, the kid's just a stud. So you were going to say something? Yeah. And I, I just wondered, I think just in coaching, you, you, you try to model what you have seen and what you have witnessed. And I just think when Kirby was at Bama, it was more so in the days of uh, the Greg McElroy, the AJ McCarron days of that 
um, game manager, more type quarterback. And by the time he was gone, that's when they brought in the Tua's, the Jalen Hurts and the Mac Jones of the world. And so maybe he's just familiar with that. Um, that, that was one, one side that I'm thinking that's just what he's seen. That's how he knows how to build a successful football team. Um, but also to give, to give him some credit, he maybe thought of my defense is so dominant um, that I just need my quarterback to make two plays a game to win. And, and that's, and that's it. And um, unfortunately the defense let him down the SEC championship game. And so, uh, but yeah, the national championship game defense held up its end of the bargain and Stetson Bennett, he made those two plays and didn't make mistakes and they made it happen, but we'll see as the, as they start cycling some talent, if they're able to reload on the defensive side of the ball. And if then Kirby does change um, his mindset towards the quarterback position too, I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no doubt. It, it'll be clearly, I mean, we saw with Nick Saban, he's been an extremely adaptable coach um, over the years and he's gotten even more, it seems like in the last four or five years. And that's what Kirby's going to have to do. Kirby wants to get himself anywhere near the Nick Saban, you know, prestige and try to get himself a good top, top two or three coach in the game. So it, it, it's all in the future. It, it's a massive moment for, for Georgia. The 1980 jokes are no longer very sadly. It was one of the few things that I had on Georgia fans to say 1980, but it was a, it was a hell of a, a 70 day run or actually it was 69 days exactly between the Braves winning the world series and Georgia winning their national championship. So that is quite a very quick turnaround for a, for a state and a fan and a lot of fan bases that, Seemed like they were cursed, felt like they were cursed for a very, very long time. Um, but unless you, you guys got any uh, last thoughts here on the national championship or you guys want to move it back on over to the uh, the NFL side? I just have one quick question. And okay. it can be just a one little snippet answer from each of you. How much longer do you think Saban will be coaching? Five years. Um, yeah. I mean, how old is he? He's like, what, 65? He's closer to 70. I think he's, he's closer to 70. he's... 68 or 69 he is he's he is there. 70 on the dot um turns 71 in october he's so he already is yeah i can't see him coaching past 75 i mean i feel like at some point it all catches up to you yeah i agree i think i think five maybe eight years maybe i mean at this point he's got a well-oiled machine and um i mean he doesn't have anything else left to prove either i could see him trying to ride with bryce young one more year next year and then hang it up i mean what He's the greatest college coach of all time. Yeah. Pretty undisputed at this point. And so um, I don't know what else he has to prove, but I don't know. I know he's super competitive, obviously, but um, if he, if he could walk away, I don't, I don't know. I think that'll be a big determiner too. Paterno was 84 when he walked, when he uh, was retired, when he retired from coaching Penn state. So by that math, we've got 14 more years to save it. If you want to say he's going to last as long as Joe Paterno. And I think he's just as competitive. I, I think the only thing that really stops saving at this point is the moment that when he feels like time has passed him and he's not able to keep up or two, it's going to be health reasons. So those are, those are the only two yeah. why Saban's ever going to retire. So I, I, that's why I say five, but it could be 10. It could be three. It could be twelve. Five. What about what about you, Brett? What's your what's your answer? I'd say probably about five years. Um, and I I, I kind of hope it's only five years. One for the fact I, I'm kind of tired of seeing Alabama winning every year, and I think Alabama, uh, especially um, with their uh, carousel of or I guess revolving door is probably a better better way to put it of uh, assistant coaches. I really don't know who their next coach would be. But uh, also, I, I don't want Saban to go out and not be on top, just because he is. I think he is the greatest coach of all, of all time. And if if he can't be doing 
what he does at that high of a level, kind of like what Joe Paterno was doing. He wasn't as great his last 10 years as he was back in the 90s. So I'd like to see him go out on top, maybe win another national championship and retire right then. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, it'll be something to monitor going forward. I mean, with everything else in the game, everything keeps changing at IL, transfer portal. It's going to become a lot more work for these coaches. Um, so we'll see how much longer he wants to put up with it. But I agree. I think he will want to go out a winner no matter what, whenever that time may be. So well, let's go ahead and uh, switch it on over to the NFL and go ahead and start start diving into these games kind of we can talk about storylines go to the playoffs there's a lot to to dive into i really feel like this year on the nfl it's been it, it was one of the most wild uh this year we had the first ever week 18 um that you've ever seen we've added in the extra playoff spot and it was probably the most wild last week of the season that i can ever remember um coming into it the the main thing to start off the day was if the Colts were going to be able to beat the Jags. If the Colts beat the Jags, it basically destroys all of the really fun what if scenarios in the AFC because it just kills everything. Well, Carson Wentz goes out there and plays like an absolute bum. Trevor Lawrence plays a fantastic game, and the Colts lose in Jacksonville for the seventh straight year. Now they have not won there since 2014. It is an unbelievable stat. And it opened up all of these other crazy things to happen after that. You had the Steelers needed a lot to be able to get in. That was one of their huge things. You had the Raiders needed, need, possibly needed some stuff to fall their way. You had the Ravens looking at that game. It was huge for them. The Chargers were looking at that game. So that entire AFC was really predicated upon that game. It happens. And then you start seeing all the crazy scenarios happen. You had the Pittsburgh and Ravens game go to overtime. Pittsburgh wins to be able to most likely get into the playoffs assuming that the Raiders and the Chargers game does not end in that tie on Sunday night football. If the Chargers and Raiders tie in Sunday night football, they both get into the playoffs and the Steelers don't. It is the wildest thing. Nobody knew what was going to happen with the teams take knees for the whole game. Would they try? And we saw arguably one of the greatest football games I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, the Raiders were up pretty much the whole game. The Chargers come storming back in the last five minutes, two touchdowns, a great two-minute drive led by Justin Herbert with a uh, touchdown legitimately as time expires. I think he threw the – I think it was an 18-play drive in less than two minutes because they had so many incompletions. I Two or three fourth downs, a fourth and 21 or fourth and 22 conversion in regulation before scoring – or scored the first touchdown before they even had that two-minute drive. I can go all night on that one game of how awesome it was. And then you finally get to overtime and these teams trade field goals. And then they start, that clock starts clicking, ticking and ticking and ticking. And you don't know what's going to happen. Are these teams going to take these and just go to overtime? Um, it, it looked like the Raiders were pretty contempt at a moment with about two minutes to go, just running out the clock. And then the steel or the uh, chargers coach kind of outsmarts himself and calls the timeout to be able to try and get the ball back and the Raiders then convert on the third and four, set themselves up for a field goal and, and kick their way into the, the playoffs. They were going to be in either way, win or miss, or if they hit that field goal, but I guess just we'll go to Pat first. Obviously I broke down a lot. Just, just what on earth as a Raiders fan was going on through your mind, leading up to kickoff. Did you want to play for a tie? Did you want to play for a win? And then just throughout the game, what were you feeling? Yeah, I mean, that whole day was just crazy. Like, I mean, from the start, 
I, I mean, I going in, I think I told you guys, like, I was like, watch out for the Jags because like, like we knew they hadn't won there since 2014. Um, and yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz came out and played terribly. Lawrence started like the game 15 for 15, like played out of his mind. Uh, so after that, I was like, you know, well, shoot, now there's all these different scenarios. Um, I really didn't think the Steelers were going to beat the Ravens. They did. So now I'm like, okay. Uh, I want to win, obviously. Um, it's nice to knock out your division rival. So, I mean, going in, I was like, okay, we need to go out here and beat the Chargers. But obviously, if we tie, the way the cards fell, we'd still get in. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, from kickoff, I was, like, nauseous the entire game. There were a couple times, like, I mean, just my emotions, like, was a roller coaster. You know, we we go up with the lead. Um, it looks like – I think we picked Herbert off, and it looked like, okay, we're going to steal the deal here. Um, I think it was like or beginning of the fourth quarter. And then I think our drive stalled out. Um, we ran the same play twice. We ran like a weird reverse to Renfro twice um, and then gave the ball back to him. And I'm like, okay, great. Here, here's their door. And yeah, he came storming in. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a crazy game. Um, the way it finished, I mean, I think it was awesome to knock your division rival out like that. Um, and like you said, the coach called a timeout, which might've hurt him. Uh, I think the real MVP of that game, though, was Josh Jacobs, just the way he carried the team on his back, literally, especially in overtime. I mean, he's the reason we won. Uh, if he doesn't get those big bursts, we're likely punting it or kneeling it out to tie. So um, I think that was big that, you know, he wanted to win. I think the whole team wanted to win. Um, I think going in, uh, they didn't want to settle for a tie. It was crazy it came down to that, but I think they always wanted to win that game. Um, like our late owner says, just win, baby. So uh, it's not just tie, baby. That's, I think that was the motto all week. It's just win, not just tie. So Nate, Brett, just what what are you guys, what were your takeaways from all of that of like just how crazy everything was as, as people that didn't have dogs in the fight? I mean, uh, just watching that Raiders and Chargers game specifically, uh, as a Broncos fan, I was kind of pulling for the Chargers just because – I mean, the Broncos and the Raiders there. I mean, it's no secret. They're not the best of friends. And me and Patrick kind of go back and forth about the Raiders and Broncos, but it's all in good fun. Uh, no, but in all honesty, I, I, I just wanted to see a good game. Uh, and, and I think that we got. So I'm, I'm happy with the results of the game and kind of think it would have been kind of cool to see a tie and just see all the madness, but the Raiders in the playoffs again, and I'm happy for Patrick. Yeah, it was a fitting way for the season to end. It, it probably was the best game of the season, the very last game. Um, so much on the line for, you know, so many different teams. So I think it was a great way to go out, finish the uh, regular season. Yeah, I just – the thoughts that came to my mind is the NFL is king. And, you know, as we saw the stat that came out this week, that 46 of the top 50 television broadcasts of the year 2021 were all were NFL games. Um, I, I just think – in week 18 was just the perfect cap to all that. And it, um, I, I just think the, the naysayers will say, Oh, the NFL is rigged, you know, all, all that, all that different stuff. But I just think the talent level is so elite. The coaches spend so much time. Um, and there's so much money on the line that, uh, I just think you get the best product and the, uh, Raiders chargers to cap off the regular season was just a perfect example of that. I was feeling good. We had sealed up the first round by being a Titan fan earlier in the day. And so I just want to see a good game. And it was, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, you're going to be, you're sitting pretty this weekend. You get to sit back and relax and watch everybody else go struggle about for their games. 
Yes, feeling great. I'll be watching uh, the AFC games closely because, you know, with this new format, we will play the lowest seed. And so, uh, which is, and the rest of the games get decided from there. And so, pretty interesting format, but uh, keeps us engaged. Um, and we know we're not just going to be watching one game um, as normally teams that have buys and tournaments do. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Um, so, I guess we'll just go ahead and, and jump in and start. Um, breaking down these these games, and we'll go ahead and start with the with the very first one, um, which is going to be on Saturday afternoon. So it's it's going to be awesome uh, that we get three straight days of football. Uh, it's the first time that that we've had a Monday night game uh, for the NFL. So, but we'll start Saturday afternoon. The very first game is going to be Raiders at the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals. A couple weeks ago, came off a massive win by clinching the division, come storming back to beat the Chiefs. Uh, Joe, Joe Burrow has been absolutely on fire these la- the last couple games until he didn't he didn't play in the very last game of the uh, year against the Browns. They rested him, let him heal up his little bit of a tweaked knee that he had uh, that he got at the very end of the Kansas City game. Didn't need to risk it. They, they pretty much had their spot locked. So, you know, I, I guess we'll start with we'll start with Brett. Break it down. Your pick, your thoughts on the game. Let's hear it. My pick, I'm going to roll with the Bengals here. And that's not just me being biased to this game. I think the Bengals offense is amazing. I think what uh, what they're doing out there in Cincinnati is is, is great. That, I mean, Joe Burrow is going to be coming off a rest week. Um, he's got stud young wide receivers on the outside. He's got a healthy Joe Mixon in his backfield with him. And I, I just don't see the Raiders being able to keep up with this high-powered offense. So I guess that's that's, that's my pick. That's all, about all I'm going to add for now. Okay. Um, I, I personally have – I have the Bengals as well with you. I just think that it's a really weird situation. It's odd to have two first-time quarterbacks playing each other or in terms of neither one of them have played a playoff game before. Um, Derek Carr was not there the last time that they, they played in um, the playoffs. And then, obviously, Joe Burrow, it's his second year in the league. So in a sense, it's two playoff rookies. So you don't really have an advantage on either side there. I don't put much advantage to either side in terms of the coaching. You've got an interim coach there on the Raiders. You've got a pretty new coach there for the Bengals. I believe this is his second year, Zach Taylor, second or third year there for the Bengals. So uh, a lot of it at this point, I I know it's really kind of overhyped nowadays in in the NFL of being a, a home team. But I think there is something to it in the playoffs, even though if you look at a weird stat of the last, I think it's three or four years, uh, road underdogs are 15 and three against the spread. So road teams have been very consistent in the playoffs the last couple of years, uh, have been pulling off upsets a lot the last few years, especially specifically in this wild card round. But I will ride with Joe Burrow. I just think that they're going to have too much. I think it was a really emotionally draining game there for the Raiders at the end of it, just a, a late night, a huge emotional swing getting into the game, and I'm just not sure they're going to be able to get up to go on the road on Saturday afternoon. The The Bengals are rested. Give me the Bengals. And, uh, we'll go ahead and move it on. I'm going to go with Nate first, and then I'll let Pat tell me why me and Brett are both wrong. Yeah, I mean, these are all good thoughts. I think I, I'm rolling with the Raiders. I mean, you look at Joe Burrow and – the you know the tweet that everybody was talking about is Joe Burrow um, is who the Browns thought Baker was going to be, you know the kind of journeyman college guy with a chip on his shoulder, 
And, um, and, but in, in sports media, you know, we talk about it factor a lot these days and it's become a thing that people talk about so much that, uh, players know it and like I think they want to give off a persona of having the it factor and that's how that's what I think Baker is Um, I think he's a lot of bark and not a lot of bite and that's what I thought Burrow was I mean just listening to his interviews and just seeing how he carries himself he just has this huge chip on his shoulder and it's always rubbed me the wrong way I don't know why I I, I just think you are just pretty cocky and he loves himself Um, but he's backed everything up up to this point Um, and Will I be, will I look like a fool by betting against him once more? Maybe. But I also think uh, there's the playoffs. It's such a long season. The Bengals, they're so young. Um, And uh, a lot of times you can get caught up in this, what have you done for me lately mindset. And Burrow, yeah, he's put up crazy stats, but he's also played against the most banged up secondary in the league in the Ravens. And then the Chiefs in a shootout. And uh before that the the burrow train wasn't as loud it was still there but just wasn't as loud and so i think the raiders just the momentum that uh Basaccia still has kind of wrangled them together and kept them going um I'm, I'm gonna ride with the raiders the underdogs everybody loves talking about how awesome the Bengals are right now i think the raiders hear that too Pat, tell us why uh, me and brett are both wrong and nate's right yeah i'll try to keep it short because i could go on for hours here uh, no, I mean, I think you guys make a lot of good points as far as why you're picking the Bengals. Um, I think on paper, like if you're just looking at this game, majority are going to pick the Bengals. Um, they obviously have bigger names on offense. Um, they've been playing really well lately. We saw what they did against the Chiefs, which is fresh in everyone's minds. Um, also, another disadvantage for the Raiders, we're going into their house where it's cold. Uh, we typically do not play very well in cold weather games. That's just kind of how it's gone. But with that being said, um, I do think we have a real chance at winning this. I don't think it's going to be a blowout one way or another. I think it'll come down to a field goal or a touchdown win. Um, that seems to be how all the Raiders games have gone so far. So I don't see that changing. Um, but I just I expect Derek Carr to have the game of his life. I think he he obviously he needs to. I mean, he has so many critics that um, I mean they say he shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Blah blah blah. Uh, And and I know he's got a a huge chip on his shoulder from breaking his leg in 2016, having to miss that playoff game uh, where, I mean, he was playing at an MVP level that year. Uh, I mean, who knows what kind of noise we would have made. So, you know, it stunk to have him go out like that. So I think he's got a lot riding on it. Um, He's obviously been in the league longer, um, which will help. Burrow's obviously playing very well. Um, I mean, they're both top five, I think, in total passing yards this year. So I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close. I think the key is obviously our defense has to step up and shut down the receivers specifically and Mixon. Um, I know Mixon, I think I read something today, the past three times he's played us, he's gone for like over 100 yards rushing. So we're going to have to shut down in the in the trenches. I think both sides are going to run a lot given the weather conditions. I think it's going to be cold and snowy. So I think it's going to come down to can the Raiders stop Mixon? Can the Bengals stop uh, Josh Jacobs? and then which quarterback makes the least amount of mistakes. So I think getting to Burrow would be big for the Raiders. Max Crosby, you know, if he gets to him, puts some pressure on him, that would be big for us. Um, and I'll finish with saying, I think it'll be – I'll give my score prediction here. I'm going to say 31 to 28 Raiders, so win by field goal. And if we do win, I'm just throwing this out here, I think Rich Passaccia has to be in the running, maybe not win it, but for NFL Coach of the Year. 
for the stuff that he has gone through this season, the whole team in general, we really should not be in the playoffs right now. I mean, everything that happened in the beginning of the season with Gruden, with Ruggs, um, with Waller getting hurt, I mean, we shouldn't be here. So I think the whole team's going to come with that underdog mentality of, you know, no one expects us to be here. No one, no one thinks we're going to win. I mean, that's been working. I mean, we've, I think, been majorly picked against us the last four weeks. And we've gone and won four games in a row. I mean, to me, this is week five of the playoffs for us. I mean, I think each game is basically, in their mind, been a playoff game because it's win or go home. So I'm excited. I think it'll be a good game. I agree with you. I think that's a huge boost to the Raiders' side. Except they've been playing with their back against the wall for so long. Um, looking at the weather, it looks like the snow is actually getting pushed to Sunday. So it's just going to be cold, a little bit windy. Looks like it's going to be somewhere around 31, 32 at, at kickoff and then dropping off from right. there. Um, with about 10 That's not minutes. terrible. No, it's not. So both quarterbacks will be able to, to sling the ball around. You know, offense will be full-blown. You won't have to hold back anything um, because of uh, weather conditions. But if there's two things I will say that, that will support the Raiders on this side, it's that, one, I personally think that if it came down to a late-game situation, you guys absolutely have the better quarterback for it. I would trust Derek Carr in the moment a lot more than Joe Burrow just because Derek Carr has been in the league a lot longer, and I think that he's proven he can win a game at the end. He is still yeah. a rookie, just like Joe Burrow is, but there's something about being in the league for four or five years versus a guy that's been in the league for years. So that's one half of it. And then on the other half of it, I it's that Joe Burrow absolutely torches teams that blitz the Raiders or the uh, Ravens, especially our team that blitzes a lot. And you saw Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow absolutely torched them both times. The Raiders blitz the least amount in the NFL. They do not send the house and they sit back and they play coverage, which Joe Burrow is fine against, but he's not elite against like he is against the blitz comparative to every other quarterback. So I think that if you guys get, stick with that mentality, make him kind of dink it and dunk it around, you guys got a chance. There's a lot of underdog yeah. mentality. You can't, you can't deny that. So just a couple of quick points too. I, I think of why the Raiders can compete. I'm still sitting with my Bengals, but just going to. Yeah. No. And, and that's a really good point about, about um, the blitz rate. Cause yeah, we, we don't blitz a lot, but yet we do still apply a lot of pressure. So if they can keep that up with uh, Yannick Nguaku off the side and Max Crosby on the other edge, um, it'll be big. Yeah. I got two points of this. Um, the reason why the Raiders don't blitz is because there's suspect coverage is sometimes in, the, in, in this season. I mean, they've been fine the past couple of weeks, but early in the season, they, they were not looking good. And I, I just think Joe Burrow and the, those talented receivers just be too much for the Raiders. And on the flip side of the ball, the Raiders offense, I think is going to need to have Josh Jacobs to have the game of his life, not Derek Carr. And Josh Jacobs is another person on that Raiders team that's just been very inconsistent this year. Um, last week, I, I think he played amazing. And I was a Josh Jacobs fantasy owner this year, so I was hoping for him to play well the entire season. But he just hasn't had that it factor like he did his rookie year. Fair. You got anything uh, before we wrap it up and move on to the next game? You're ready to go. All right, we'll move on to the uh, to the Buffalo game there. So we got two two Raiders, two Bengals. So let's move on to uh, Buffalo, New York, where it is going to be significantly even colder than what we were just talking about there in Cincinnati. You're looking at a kick a temperature on kickoff at uh, somewhere around seven degrees and dropping off from there with a little bit of wind 
It will be bone chilling cold up in Buffalo. It'll be far different though than the last time we saw these two teams play in Buffalo when it was 50 mile an hour winds, snow, rain. It was absolutely nasty. It was so much fun to watch on Sunday night football, but or Monday night football for that game. So I guess going into this, we've seen this happen. We've seen this game now twice this year. It's one of the two divisional rematches. You had both of the both times the road team won. The Patriots won the first game without ever throwing the ball. The second time they made Mac Jones have to throw the ball. He threw a couple picks. Buffalo pretty well ran away with that game. Uh, who wants to start us off here on, on a pick on this game? I can start. I um, it, it it's crazy. I, I love NFL playoff time, but when you get divisional matchups in like this wild card round, it's, it's just kind of weird to me. You know, this will be the third time we see the Bills and Patriots play in the last month that yeah. I think their first game was December 6th you know and so um it's exciting playoff football but it's also like oh I want to see some new matchups but all that to say um we'll see if Bart Scott's um advice for Josh Allen this morning on get up um reigns true see if he does take Viagra to help with some blood flow um to, <laughs> as Bart Scott said that, that helped him in the past but we'll, we'll see the jury's still out on that one but um I like the Patriots in this game um Anytime Bill Belichick is an underdog, I like that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll usually ride with that guy. And um, I, the Bills, they love being in, um, you know, nickel and dime personnel to use all of their safeties and in uh, cornerbacks. And the Patriots love to love it when you do that because they will just run it down your throat, as we saw in that game in the first part of December where Mac Jones threw the ball twice. Um, and so with, with it being cold, with Josh Allen, he's been up and down late this year too. Um, just in the cold weather. Um, I don't know. I, I, I know rookie quarterback kind of unreliable. You never know. Um, but I'm, I'm riding with the Patriots coach Belichick and, uh, that run game. Yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna take the bills here. Um, bills historically love cold weather games. They're playing at home. Their offense has looked pretty good this year. I mean, both teams have had their ups and downs throughout the year, but just, the Patriots playing with that rookie quarterback against the Bills on the road, I, I just think it's too much for Mac Jones. I think he'll get in his head, and I don't think there's enough talent around him to help that. What about you? Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at too, Brett. Um, I mean, obviously, the Patriots did run all over them uh, that first matchup. But, I mean, the Bills actually do have a really good defense. So I think if they can come out and manage the run and force – Mac Jones have to throw um I think they're gonna win I think that he's he's gonna make some mistakes um just given the gravity of the game he's a rookie quarterback um playing in those types of weather conditions I mean we saw what he did last week against the Dolphins he made a lot of rookie mistakes because he is a rookie um and I just don't see Josh Allen losing to Mac Jones I think it's gonna come down to the quarterback play I'm with you guys I've got I've got the bills I really hate going against Bill Belichick in the playoffs um, it, it scares the absolute life out of me. It's just one of those things. You, it's why I didn't pick against Saban last week. It's why I'm going to go with a pick when we get to the next game, just because there are certain people you just don't go against when it gets up to the biggest stage. But I, I'm with you. I just don't think that Mac Jones is ready. I, he was on a fantastic rookie campaign the last few weeks. You we really saw him struggle. Uh, you look at that Buffalo game, and then they played – I forget who they played after that. He didn't look very convincing. It was against, I think, the Jets or the Giants, and, and then played horrible against Miami the last week of the year. So I just – I see him making a couple of mistakes. That These guys who play a rookie quarterback facing against a quarterback who's been in the playoffs, 
it's not a very uh, good record. I think it's like 12 and 12 and 50 or something like that. It's a horrendous record. I heard it on a podcast earlier. So these rookies just don't beat guys who have been in the playoffs before very often. Um, But yeah, I'm right there with you guys on the bills. I think that it'll be cold weather, but with it not being raining, Josh Allen will be able to throw the ball around, which which was a huge, huge factor. The last game is that because that, that is where the bills offense is predicated. They need Josh Allen to be able to throw the ball, to be able to set up their running game and let him be able to run the ball. And so when they couldn't be able to throw the ball to set up the run, they had to play kind of inside out for their own offense and it didn't work for them. So weather's going to be able to cooperate. I've got Buffalo winning. Um, I think this will be the first time a Buffalo team has won a playoff game in a very long time if it happens. So I'm excited to see Bill's mafia go crazy. They were all for it last year when they, uh, when they played the Colts or I guess they did beat the Colts last year. I think um, at the end of it, they didn't cover, but I think they won the game. So uh, just, it's going to be great. Saturday tonight, stadium's going to be going rocking. Um, yeah, so we got we got three Bills and uh, and one Patriots. We'll see if Nate knows knows more than us. Apparently, uh, you guys got anything else, or you guys want to move on to the uh, the Bucks game? Yeah, I'm good. All right, so moving on to Bill or to the Bucks and the Eagles. First game on Sunday afternoon, kicking off at noon Central Time. Um, this could be a rainy game when it kicks off. There's about a eighty uh, percent chance of rain at about at 10 a.m. and then it starts dropping off from there as it goes on less likely for rain plenty warm though for it being in tampa bay 65 degrees um the rain could pose some interesting problems to the bucks offense um obviously tom brady's played in everything but they're a team that likes to throw the ball or to throw the ball around not so much like to run the ball but we'll start here i guess first question is does anybody actually have the eagles winning the game i do you have the Eagles winning. All right, Pat, go ahead and take us take us off from there. So it's really not anything more than just a hunch. I don't know. I just feel good about the – I don't know. I think they're going to go out there and upset them. Um, I think Hertz has been playing pretty good football. Uh, I think the Eagles' rushing attack, like, I mean, they run the ball, I think, more than anyone in the league as far as the yards per game, but they're up there. Um, and I know I think the Bucks going to be without Ronald Jones. Fournette is questionable. Is that right? Uh, he's going to be activated for the game. He, he will be active. Okay. Yes. Well, maybe, maybe that will change my opinion, but I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I feel an upset. I know you shouldn't bet against Brady, but I'm going to go with it. I'll be the only one probably, but I'm going to say Eagles win. I, I was, I was thinking that we were going to have to make a conversation and decide if the Eagles were going to cover, but there we go. We got one outright on the Eagles. So I, I love it. I absolutely love getting some different opinions in here. Nate, Brett. Um, I, I know Brett's got Tom Brady. Nate, who you got? Yeah, I got the Bucks, but as Lee Corso says, closer than you think, closer <laughs> than you think. <laughs> I, th- I, the Eagles, you know, they're a tale of two seasons for me. You know, the first half of the year, they were throwing the ball all over the yard, and then they realized, oh, we, we could actually maybe run the ball. And they ran down people's throats, and they made it to the playoffs. Um, and so, but I think Tampa Bay being the number one, I think they were top three all year against the run, um, their defense. Um, I just think it'll be a little bit too much, but the reason why, um, I think it'll be closer I Brady, obviously we know he's without AB <laughs> and he made that clear to everybody that he's no longer with the team. And then, uh, with Godwin out, um, they got Gronk and Mike Evans. And I know those are two awesome weapons, but, um, we'll see. He's used to having so many weapon weapons in his arsenal. Brady does. And, uh, we'll see how they can adjust. Obviously not going to better against Brady in this one. 
Um, but I think it'll be closer than we think. Yeah, you guys both make good points, Pat, with you and your hunch and Nate closer than you think. But I got mm-hmm. one name for you, and that's that's the man in the arena, Tom Brady. Uh, I got the I got the Bucks in a blowout here, um, and you don't typically see a lot of blowouts in the playoffs. But I I think even without a B, who cares? And Ronald Jones, I, I still think the Bucks are going to handle the Eagles pretty easily. <laughs> I think that the Bucks are set up really well to defend the Eagles. Um, they're fantastic at stopping the run. And especially if Tom Brady can go out there and put up an early lead on them and you make Jalen Hurts and that team, a team that is so predicated on the run and trying to just squeeze the life out of you and you make a play from behind, that's just not a very good situation for Jalen Hurts to be in, especially trying to chase after the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. So uh, I'm with I'm with Nate. I'm with Brett. I absolutely have the Bucks win this game. I think the Bucks win this game by 10 to 14 points. Um, I, I don't think it's really ever going to be in question. There might be a few moments early of, of the Eagles have chances to stay in the game or maybe take the lead early, but I, I just I see the Bucks pretty much staying in control of this. I, this is a really favorable matchup, in my opinion, for them in the first round. We could have gotten a lot, a lot worse teams for them, uh, i.e. a team that we're going to talk about in the next game, but yeah, so I've got I got the Bucks winning. I just I can't see Tom Brady losing in the wild card round. I, I I don't know how far this Bucks team goes, but their road doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop a wild card weekend. So we'll move it upon to the uh, afternoon game, which I think this is the game outside of that Raiders Bengals game on Sun on Saturday afternoon. This is the other game that I'm absolutely looking forward to the most, which is. 49ers, Cowboys, the 49ers are one of the hottest teams uh, out there. They're really coming along strong. The Cowboys have been squeaking to the finish line, beating up on some NFC East teams coming down the uh, the finish. So let's go ahead, and I'm, I'm going to start this one off with Pat, and I want you to, to explain to us on your pick here um, why you got the 49ers. Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, I guess, first of all, they are, I think, one of the hottest teams right now. Um, they've been on a roll both offensively and defensively. Um, I think like their defense has stepped up a lot lately. Um, and Jimmy G has been doing enough to get wins. Um, and I just think like on offense, you have George Kittle, um, you have Debo Samuel and their run game also is very, very good. Um, they don't even, they're kind of like the Eagles where they don't really have any like big name back back there, but they use a couple and they, they use them well. So um, I think it'll be a high scoring game. I don't expect um, a blowout one way or another, but I think the, the 49ers just kind of squeak by. Yeah, I agree. I got, I got the Niners. Um, I got to watch them firsthand a couple few Thursday nights ago when um, we played them. Titans came out on top that night, but um, I'm just impressed. I don't know how you game plan. Defensive coordinators are paid much more um, way above my pay grade, but how do you game plan for a guy like Debo? And a guy like Kittle, you know, they're just so unique where, yeah, Kittle, he's a tight end, but he runs like a running back and Debo plays running back, <laughs> but he also was top five or six in receiving yards. It's just that those two guys, they're so unique in their skill sets. Um, and uh, I, I think I have more trust in them right now. Um, and even I know Dak on the opposite side, Dak, he's been up and down all year. His stats are good, but um I guess time will tell if, you know, when the lights come on, if he can go win a playoff game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like the Niners here. Um, they'll continue to ride their momentum. And uh, I, I bet it'll be a close game, uh, 28 to 24. 
I've got the Niners too. Um, Jimmy G is obviously proven that he can get it done. He took that Niners team a couple of years ago all the way to the Super Bowl before losing to Patrick Mahomes in a game that they should have won that game. Um, he's clearly been able to prove that he can get it done with the team. I, I don't think this team is as talented, but they are absolutely on fire lately. You look at that Rams game, a game that they were down 17 to nothing late at the end of the fir- first half, get a field goal down 17 to three at halftime, comes storming all the way back. Uh, they have a, they go into overtime with a late drive to force overtime, go into overtime and they win uh, in a must win situation. Absolutely massive moments there. And so I've got, I've got the Niners. I, I really don't think the Cowboys are as good as we think they are. I know we saw them a few weeks ago in that massive performance on Sunday night football and beat up on the Washington football team. That's not a great, that's really not a great team. It's not a great defense. And the, you look at the games that the Cowboys have had success over the last month and a half. It, like I said, it was against NFC East teams. It was against the football team. It was against the Giants. It was against the Eagles. I mean, it's not like in an Eagles team that had punted the last game of the year because they had their spot solidified. So they had nothing to play for. I The Cowboys have been a dysfunctional team when it gets to the playoffs. Mike McCarthy is a dysfunctional coach when it gets to late game management. Um, I, I don't trust him in this situation. I trust Kyle Sh- uh, Shanahan much more. I think that the Niners have figured out that they've got multiple weapons Debo Samuel, especially, they found out last week that Jawan Jennings, uh, shout out coming out of the University of Tennessee, getting a huge late rookie surge. I think that they're going to be able to utilize him a lot more in this game. And I, I, well, I love Dak. I just don't know if he's got everything around him, and I don't know if that team's ready to do it. And I've got the Cowboys with another very disappointing early postseason uh, loss on a team that was very good for the regular season and can't do it in the postseason. But you've got three of us on the Niners. You've got one other person here left on this podcast. So, Brett, tell us why we're idiots and uh, tell us why the Cowboys are going to be able to pull this one out in Jerry World. Yeah, I'm going to go against the grain, grain and take the Cowboys. Uh, I think Dak has a lot of talent around him. Uh, two-headed monster at running back with Pollard and Elliott. Uh, got Three, maybe four really good receivers. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper, Dalton Schultz is a great receiving threat as a tight end. And I think one thing that isn't talked about enough is the Cowboys' defense. Um, Mike Parsons is having one of the best rookie years in recent memory. Uh, 13 stacks, 84 tackles. Um, I mean, that 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 defense just flies around. They, they, just, they make plays. And you can talk about Trayvon Diggs and how – Batty is in coverage, even though he leads the league in receptions. I mean, but the, the, the team makes plays, and I think that ultimately is what's going to win them that game. And I, I got the I got the Cowboys in a pretty heavily uh, defense-dominated game. I'll take it on a 13-10. I do think it will Final. be scoring. I do think it's a low-scoring game. Um, scoring. I think that it's one that's like 20 to 17. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of points put up. I think they'll both try to run the ball a lot. There'll be a few big plays in, in the passing game from either side. But uh, you, Craig Zerline's kind of in a mental funk kicking. I, I just think there's so many things going against it. And the Niners have no pressure. The Cowboys have all the pressure in the world of a great regular season, and they've had these quick exits the last few years. So, um, I, so you I, never it, count out Greg the leg. Never count out Greg the leg. You're right. He's made some clutch kicks, but he's really been struggling lately. It's from my alma water, so you know, back when we had a football team. One of the very few uh, football players at UNO anymore. Um, or from UNO, that is. Uh, but no, I mean, we'll, we'll be interested. 
I think that this is the most popular underdog pick as you look around and you talk to people and you listen to people talk sure. games is that the Niners going in and knocking off the Cowboys. So it'll be interesting if the Cowboys use that to their advantage. A lot of people picking the, the road underdog coming into your house to beat them. They can kind of flip it around to their own script to make themselves feel like the underdog going into the game. So um, see if Dak can be able to, to get himself a big playoff win, be able to start to put together a playoff run, or if, uh, you know, we see them just beat up on the NFC East teams and they uh, falter when it gets down to other teams. So we'll move on to Sunday night football in a game that I don't think is going to be very competitive. Um, we're going to have some surprisingly differing opinions, and I absolutely love that as we get to this. So we've got the Chiefs playing the Steelers. Um, the Steelers needed the miracle situation, like I told you, to be able to get in. Big Ben is his arms about to fall off. He's been throwing the ball so many times these last few weeks. It's his swan song. I love that he got himself back into the playoffs and he gets to go out win or lose. He gets himself into the playoffs again. Mike Tallman continues to prove why he is arguably the greatest coach that nobody talks about in the NFL. I think that so many people just expect him to be solid that he doesn't get enough praise when he gets for coach of the year candidates and everything like that. But uh, I think he's right up there with some of the top, the Belichicks and Bruce Arians and uh, those type of coaches in the NFL. So, I, I, and Andy Reid. But I've got the Chiefs winning this game. It's the largest spread ever in NFL wild card round history. It's 12 and a half points currently. It could go up even more before kickoff based off where the money and where the handles are going right now. Um, the last, I think it's five or six times that we've had a double digit favorite in the wild card round. They all not only won, but they covered. So they all won by double digits going into, uh, after the game. But, and I think that that trend absolutely continues here. The Steelers are way too slow of a team. You saw the last time they played the, they played the Chiefs a month ago. They were down 30 to nothing in the first half came back and made that, I think 36 to 19 type of game, something like that. I think the Chiefs could be way out ahead very early. Again, the Steelers just do not have anything uh, to to, stick, uh, to keep up with this team. I think Ben's going to struggle. It'll be sad to see him go out, but it's happy to, to get him get him in uh, one last time in the playoffs. I got Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs absolutely rolling in this game. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, Kylie. I think speed kills, and the Chiefs have a ton of speed. You know who doesn't? Big Ben. I like to call him the stump. Because he has the mobility of a stump. That guy is one of the I shouldn't say one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time because he isn't. But he he's had such a he's had such a great career. Uh I mean minus his off the field issues, which I won't get into. But I mean, people were counting out the Chiefs early in the season. I mean, they struggled out of the gate, but Mahomes is arguably the best playmaker quarterback in the league. Him and Lamar Jackson, I'd say both are in that conversation. And I just don't see the Chiefs or the, the Steelers having a chance in this game. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I'm with you too. Um, I'm definitely taking the Chiefs. Um, and I'll, I'll start, I was saying this. So I think it, it, as much as I'm happy the Raiders won, I think it's a just travesty that we aren't seeing the Chargers Chiefs in this game and watching Herbert play Mahomes. Um, I know it's Big Ben's last hurrah, but he's just, he's not good. I mean, it's not going to be a good game. I think the Chiefs win by, 14 or more. I think it'll be a double, double digit blowout. Um, if the, if the Steelers have any chance in this, I think they're going to have to run the ball. I think Najee Harris is going to have to go for well over a hundred. 
Um, and I think they're going to have to have a like defensive or special teams touchdown um, to even stay close. So, um, and Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football brought that up this morning. He had a whole list of uh, things that need to go right for the Steelers. And uh, if you have a chance to take a look, because it's pretty funny. Um, and it's a lot that will have to go right for them to win. And I agree. I think Chiefs win by a mile. Yeah, maybe maybe you get off at the beginning of a game and you get that Tyreek Hill ball goes right through his hands, bounces off his face mask, and, uh, yeah. and Cam Sutton takes it, you know, takes it in for a pick six, and maybe that's the type of thing that gets him energized. I mean, yeah, anything can happen in the NFL. This is why they're going to play the game. Um, so uh, outside of that massive list of things that have to go their way, Nate, give us reasons why the Steelers will not only keep this game close – but Big Ben is going to pull off what I would argue to be the greatest upset in playoff history in recent memory and uh, continues his swan song. Yes, I could be sitting here a week from now and be very wrong and Ben threw 54 times for 97 yards. But <laughs> I have a hunch, as Pat did with the Eagles and the Bucks. I have a hunch. I think this team... Um, is so much more than just Big Ben. I think we all agree he's retirement is he's ready. He's ready. Uh, we, we, we can all just kind of usher him there. He's been awesome to watch. Brett, I'll give you a little pushback there. I think he's one of the top quarterbacks ever. I mean, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe not Mount Rushmore, but a first ballot Hall of Famer. And um, yeah, I, I just have a hunch. I, I think uh, not only this has been a lot of shine on Ben, and I think it's taken away a little bit from that defense and TJ Watt and just some of the playmakers they have on that side of the ball. And I think they they like hearing how much they stink this week. And I think the Chiefs like hearing how much they're good this week and how much they should beat them. And I don't know. I just have a hunch. Um, and two things to consider, two major variables. One, Mike Tomlin, he's never had a losing season. It's, 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 it's crazy to think about all his years as a Steelers coach, never had a losing season. And then number two, if Jackson Mahomes is on the Chiefs' sideline, that immediately lowers the spread at least five points. That gives five points <laughs> at least to the other team. You know, I know, I know we got the TikTok bowl. You're going to have Juju and Claypool. Juju may be back. They may do a little TikTok battle, hopefully not on, on a memorial on the sideline, but may, maybe at midfield, you know, to see who can get the most uh, street cred with the youngins. But um, that is a factor that has to be considered. I, 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 it is a stat, though. I think most of the games that uh, Mahomes' little brother's been at, they've lost. But – I don't, yeah, a little humor the, there, but I, I I like the Steelers. What's the spread on a uh, or what's the what are the chances of a TikTok collab between the Mahomes and uh, Juju and Claypool? Absolutely zero, <laughs> big fat I, zero. I need props on Vegas, this. If you if you were in Vegas, that would be a plus ten thousand prop, easy <laughs> money. Um, but no, I, I I mean I think Nate, you brought up one specific player and one specific point, which is that TJ Watt. If TJ Watt can. Uh, absolutely harass Mahomes the whole night. It, it will be really interesting to see how he performs because if Mahomes got early in the year, he was really, really bad under pressure, making horrible decisions. And if he, you know, results and goes back to that, um, anything can happen. I mean, especially if you get that low scoring game. And then you, if you're looking at a game at halftime, that's like 10 to seven, maybe even the Chiefs are winning 10 to seven. But if that's what the game is at halftime, there's going to be a lot of really, really tense uh, people in that stadium. So I, I like I, – I think that that would be kind of their best way to do it is they're going to have to keep it really low scoring, keep it close at halftime, and then once you get it to the fourth quarter, in a one-score game, anything can happen. So I, 
I love that. Uh, I love that we've been able to keep this going the entire time. We have not had four picks all go the same way on a single game. Um, we've made it all the way now to the last game of Wild Card Weekend. Like I mentioned, it is the first time that we've ever had a Monday night Wild Card game. First time ESPN's ever hosted a or been able to broadcast a playoff game. So it's a big deal for that. Um, the Peyton and Eli cast will be back for all those fans that have been loving that on Monday Night Football. They will have their their cast going again. So we've got the Rams and the Cardinals, the other one of these divisional games that we have now seen for the third time this year. Uh, the team split the first two meetings, once again, just like the Bills and Rams. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the road team won both of those times. And that one, um, this game is going to be in L.A., the Cardinals have been a much better team on the road this season. Uh, the Rams have been struggling as of late, but we've got we've got three picks to one side, one pick to the other side. Let's go ahead and start it up with uh, Pat. Why do you have the Rams? Yeah, so for me, I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, I guess first one being the Cardinals have just been super inconsistent lately. Um, I mean, I'm looking at their last five games. They've gone three and two, or sorry, two and three, um, and their losses were to the Lions, Colts, and Seahawks. Neither, none of those teams are in the playoffs. So they've got some bad losses. Um, I think Kyler Murray has been inconsistent. So I'm just taking Stafford, who's been great all year. Uh, I know he's had, he has had some issues with interceptions, but I think if, you know, if he throws one or two, they can overcome that. Um, they have Cooper Cup, who is having the greatest uh, season in a while as a wide receiver. Um, and Sony Michelle has been playing really well lately. So I just think that between the run game and the um, passing game from Stafford, I think they have the edge over the Cardinals there. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be a close game. I think their first two matchups came down to uh, maybe a touchdown or so. So not expecting a blowout, but I'm going to say Rams win 31 to 24. Nate, what you got? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm on the Rams as well. I think this is a team that um, I kind of view them a little bit like the Bucks where they've shown flashes of brilliance this year. Um, but then also you, some, you don't really know where they're at, you know, for different reasons, the Rams, you know, with Stafford's picks and kind of turnover prone and the bucks with injuries. But um, yeah, I, I just think the Rams are more reliable pick right now um, over uh, the cards. And I, I just think where Kyler is watching Kyler in his, to me watching him, it's interesting to see his body, language and in his non-verbals and like to me when it's not going well he just seems not to pout but to not be like come on guys yeah we got this let, 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 let's go get him um i think when things are going good things are really good as we saw in the beginning of the last two years the cardinals come out of the gates hot and then teams kind of figure him out contain kyler in the pocket and he gets pouty and they lose and <laughs> I, I i just don't think that uh, i think as they stare staring down the barrel of aaron donald and jalen ramsey and those playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they're going to have enough horses on top of the coaching. Cliff Kingsbury has had some of the most questionable game management this year, um, and I think uh, Sean McVay uh, will continue to have his number. Yeah, I'm in agreement with both of you guys. Uh, give me the Rams. Um, Matt Stafford is 0-3 in, his, in the playoffs in his career, but I think this week it changes. Um, Kyler hasn't looked the same since his injury and, um, the amount of playmakers on that offense that surround, uh, Matt Stafford, uh, namingly Cooper cup, the best wide receiver in the league. Um, that's a little bit of a joke. I, I joke with these guys. I, I, I kind of believe it, but, uh, for a little bit of letting you guys all in, it's been a uh, season long, uh, 
inside joke debate in a group chat that Brett believes that Cup is the greatest wide receiver. Of I mean, he's having the best season the statistically out of so any receiver. We, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. In this yeah, we, we could have a whole podcast. As we're already in, an hour into this, but no. So we're <laughs> going to roll off of that, but keep it going, Brett. But yeah, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna take the um, Rams in a close game. Uh, I don't know what the score will be. Um, I think there could be a lot of turnovers, so I'm not going to give out a score, but I think it'll be close. I've got the Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals have been a way better team on the road this year, like I mentioned, than they have been at home. I think it actually helps them being on the road, especially in a place like L.A. that it's not going to be a hostile environment. It's not an arrowhead. It's not – uh, it's it's not Green Bay. It's not Jerry World. Like, this is not a very hostile environment for them to have to go into and compete with. So I, I like that they're going to be able to get away from home where Kyler said that we're on the road. They have far less distractions. I think that's a really big thing for this team. They've got some young players. Obviously, they lack a little bit of discipline when when they're at home and they have far more distractions. We put them on the road and they're in their hotel. There's far less distractions for them. So that's going to help them. Matt Stafford, like you said, Brett, he has not been good in the playoffs. Um and he has been terrible down the stretch of the season. He's had a whole lot of problems with, with interceptions and specifically pick sixes. That is absolutely destructive in a playoff game to throw a pick six. I think that he does in this game, probably at a really inopportune time. And I, I like Kyler to make a few plays with his legs. I, I like that. Um, I like what they have with Zach Ertz. I like what they have they, with a very veteran wide receiver in AJ Green. I like what they've got going for him and James Conner. I know he's a little bit banked up, but he should be able to play. Chase Edmonds should be able to play this game. So I, I like what they've got. I think that they'll be able to make just enough plays, be able to avenge that loss a, a month and a half ago on Monday Night Football at their own place where they looked absolutely terrible against the Rams. And, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got the cards pulling off this upset and continuing the road underdog mentality. So there you go. We've got – we went through all six games – you have differing picks. We have three on one in every single one, aside from the uh, Bengals game where we had it split two and two. So uh, before we, we actually get out of here, though, we're going to take a look now kind of at the full big picture of, of the playoffs. Um, we didn't get to talk about the Chiefs. We didn't get to talk about the Packers. Clearly, they are the two number one teams. The Titans are going to be um, a – sorry, I meant to say Titans and Packers. I think I said Chiefs. Um, and so – the Titans are going to be a completely different team getting Derrick Henry back once uh, after this bye. I think no team could have benefited from it more than the Titans about getting the bye this year, uh, being able to get that extra week for them. And more importantly, now the playoffs run through Nissan Stadium in Nashville. Not that it is a huge home field crowd, but it means that Ryan Tannehill and the Titans don't have to go to Arrowhead if the Chiefs and the uh, Titans make it that far to the conference championship game. So, uh, I guess we'll let Nate kind of take it on, on the, as he is the big Titans fans of just who do you want to see? Uh, who do you not want to see? And I guess just your, uh, your thoughts on what needs to happen to be able to make a successful run for the, for the Titans. Yeah. I kind of going against my, my, my upset hunch pick the team I would love to see most is the Steelers, obviously, <laughs> you know, um, to avoid what, first of all, to avoid the chiefs later on down the line. And also, um, I think anybody would want to see the Steelers out of all the teams in the AFC right now. Um, but I'm sticking with their pick to beat the Chiefs. Um, well, that'd be perfect for you then. And so we would see them. That, yeah, that'd be a win-win. What am I saying? I'm, yeah, absolutely. So that'd be a win-win. But um, yeah, I, 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 I honestly think the break, this break is even more important for um, A.J. Brown and Julio, even more so than Derek Henry. And that is crazy to think about. 
Um, but I just think that we started, we started to see some glimpses of Julio in week 18 against the Texans, and he's been a bust all year. And if him um, and A.J. Brown and Westbrook Aquina, who has really stepped up in that third wide receiver spot, um, can really start clicking with Tannehill, um, as we saw, they're still able to win games without Henry. And with him coming back, um, people are saying, oh, he may not be in shape. What was he going to do? I, I, I just know from what I've heard about rehab, I've never had to rehab a serious injury. But to get to that elite level to be cleared, it's pr- some pretty intense training cardio-wise and on your body. And so I think Henry not only may be ready, but he could be in the best shape he's been all year, even back like to the beginning of the season. And so um, that will be awesome to see. And, yeah, we'll see. The team, I my head um, – uh, wants to pick the Chiefs to make it all the way in the AFC, even though I picked the Steelers to beat them. But the head, thinking right, probably the Chiefs, um, but my heart says the Titans. Titans-Packers um, in the Super Bowl, and I think it'll be a great game. Um, I, don't, I don't see anybody getting in front of the Packers in the NFC. Um, and with the Titans, the, the way Vrabel has been able to hold the ship together with so many injuries, most players ever playing in a game, um, throughout the season on one NFL team. I think we're in the 90s of the number of players that um, played for us this year. Um, and it's still a lock up that one seed. I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, and I guess we'll just see how it unfolds. Right, Brett, which one do you want to take on your uh, Super Bowl pick next? I'll go. Um, for me, I think the AFC, sorry, Nate, but I think it is going to be the uh, Chiefs. Um, I just don't, I don't see another team in the playoffs that's going to beat them. I know the Titans did beat them earlier in the year. Um, I just don't see that happening again. They've been on a roll. I think they've won seven or eight straight right now. Um, so, I mean, they're playing some of their best football. So, I've got them for the AFC, and I agree that it'll be the Packers and they're in the NFC. Um, I think Rodgers is obviously – he's just playing out of his mind this year. I think he has four interceptions all year. So, he's just been playing clean football, um, doing what he needs to get uh, wins. So, yeah, I've got Chiefs, Packers. You know, we didn't have a single person, uh, you know, we didn't disagree or didn't have everyone agree all once at the uh, same time. We might end up having everybody agree here as we get to uh, who might be in the playoffs, because I'm going to agree with you, Pat, on that. I've got the Packers. I also have the Chiefs. I I just I love the Titans living here in Nashville. I'm all for this team. I got a lot of buddies who are are Titans fans, uh, along with Nate. And I, I love what they're doing. I just don't think that. I, I don't see any team knocking off the Chiefs. I don't see the Steelers doing it. I don't see either the, the Bengals or, or the uh, Raiders doing it. And so, depending on matchups, I just hardly see this happening. The Chiefs are going to lose at Arrowhead. And then I think it's going to be that hard for them to come back into Nashville and revenge their loss from earlier in the year. Uh, Tannehill is going to have to make a lot of plays in that game. They're either going to need Derrick Henry to have a, a career game or they're going to need to playoffs. So if the Chiefs can, if the Chiefs lose earlier on, then I'm right there with the Titans or the team to beat. But until the Chiefs are out of the AFC picture, the Chiefs are still the team to beat. They've been to the playoff or been to the Super Bowl two or two times in a row now. Uh, AFC Championship three or four times in a row. It, it's unreal the the run that they're on. I've got Packers Chiefs, but I do have the Packers uh, winning it all. At the end of it, at the end of the day, I just think that this team, what Rodgers and Adams got going on, I think that defense is playing at an elite level. I think that Rodgers wants to win this to get out of Green Bay and kind of put this chapter in the head. 
I, I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if Rogers just walked away after this year with everything that's happened. It's just been such a weird year for him. So much has been invested into it, and it wouldn't even surprise me if he just won and walked off. But in, in his one song way early on, we've seen it get earlier and earlier with with, team, with people like Andrew Luck. It, who knows what could happen? But who you got to uh, to wrap us up here? Give us your Super Bowl. Well, first off, I'm going to tell you uh, who I'm rooting for. Um, as a Broncos fan, uh, obviously the Broncos are not in the playoffs. But I will be cheering for the Bengals. Um, I'm going to show you for boys. them just because they're against the Raiders. No, no, my boy is Zach Taylor. He's he's a Nebraska former Nebraska quarterback, so I'm just going to be cheering on them and the young the young team they have around them. But uh, as far as picks go, um, out of the AFC, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to pick the Bills. And Very against the grain in the NFC, I, I'm torn here. I think. I'm in agreement with you guys. I think Rodgers has had an unbelievable season, and I can't wait to see him in Broncos, blue and orange next year. But I, I still think it's kind of tough to pick against Brady. So I, th- I think it's definitely one of those two teams. But I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to take the Packers because I think it's going to be tough to, for anyone to beat them in Lambeau. There you go. We go an entire wild card weekend, six games, and none of, we can't all four of us agree on one team to win a single game, but all four of us can agree that the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. So you can absolutely pencil it in right now. The Packers will be upset next week in the divisional. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, in all, in all seriousness, that just says that we're all really believing in this Packers team, what they've got. And I do think Brett's right. Going through Lambo is going to be absolutely brutal for any of those teams. I, I think that Tom Brady and them would have had the best chance to go do it. And they're going to be too banged up going to that game without uh, Chris Godwin without Antonio Brown. I just I don't see that happening. Either. So there you go. We've got them. You've got your Super Bowl matchups here. So we've got two Packers Chiefs. You've got one Packers Titans and a Packers Bills out of Brett. If that happens, I will be extremely impressed at you calling that. Um, I love the Bills, but I, I don't see them making a very deep run in this in this playoff. They're, they can't run the ball. That's that's hard to do if you make the playoffs if you can't run the ball. But He's a stud. He is a stud. We'll see what happens. Um, But no, we we appreciate. Oh, I appreciate having you guys on tonight. You guys uh, jumped on. I know this one went a little bit longer than we normally do, but it's always fun when we can get a lot of content in here. Um, It's a lot of fun to be able to break down all of these games. I had a blast with it. Um, I hope you guys did. You guys got any uh, final thoughts here before we get on out of here? Who day? Go Bengals. (laughs) Tighten up, baby. Raider Nation, just win, baby. That's all I got to say. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, well, we appreciate all of you guys out there listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe. We always appreciate you guys uh, checking it out. If you guys like our picks, hate our picks, feel free to interact with us. Let me know on social media. I'm always checking it. I will be glad to argue with you on why I'm right and you were wrong on social media. So, We'll see what happens, and uh, and let's enjoy a whole lot of uh, a great football games this weekend. So, all right, everybody, hope you uh, all have a great rest of your day, and uh, let's let's watch some great football.